If you were here last week, we started the book of Jude. We only did three verses. And, and I told you that, man, it's, it's rich, it's good. The book of Jude is probably one of the most condensed books of the entire Bible. But we said the writer was Jude. In the Hebrew, it was, his name was Judah. Uh, in the Greek, it's Judas. But they called him Jude here. <laughs> and he said, I'm a servant. Even though my, my half-brother is Jesus, he's the son of God, I'm his servant. Then he went on and he, he said that this holy God, this holy God called Grant. He looked down, he didn't go, well, I, I like your jacket, man. I, you know, he just said, no, no, no. It wasn't anything in him that he liked. He just loved him. Although he likes you too. And so he called me, he called you. But then he said also that he didn't just call us. He set us aside. He set us apart so God can love on us. I like it when God loves on me. Yesterday I got up extremely early and the sun came up and I was in the backyard. And, and I, I just said that. I said, Lord God, I'm just enjoying this time for you to love on me and I want to love on you. And then we said that God has a mission. And out of all that, we have an identity based upon him. That's kind of a one and a half minute summation of last week so that we can jump into verse four today. Let's pray. Father God, we thank you for your word. We thank you for truth. And Lord, we, we confess that sometimes we don't understand and grasp, but at the same time too, Lord God, we don't have to grasp and understand. You are Lord. You are God. And Lord, I want to pray right now. Probably prayed more this week and fasted more this week for a message and maybe any in a long time. And God, I pray we would walk in agreement with what you say, with what your word says and what your word means. And God, I pray we would believe that everything about your word is for our good. It's for us to be blessed. And God, I pray we would obey it. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. If you have your phone, you can go on our app and the outline is there. If you don't, that's okay too. You can just scribble somewhere. But uh, hopefully you will take notes. Entitled this message, Time to Take Notice. Time to take notice. You know, there's a lot of things that we should take notice. If you're married, I don't even need to say anything else. Sentence is over. <laughs> okay? But I was reading an article last week about there's been 11 people on the coast of Florida and Alabama that have died. They drowned because they didn't pay any attention to the double red flags. And, you know, if there's one red flag, it's, it's a major, major, major caution. And they say, okay, you can go in if you're a great swimmer. And it's obvious some people thought they were better swimmer. They just didn't take notice. Some of them just didn't even pay attention to the flag. They may have saw it. I'm sure they did, but they didn't take notice. There's a lot of things we need to take notice of. And today we're going to take a look at Scripture because there's some things in Scripture that we have not taken notice, and I, I, want, I, I, want to, I want to give you a lot of information today, but I want you to understand that what we're saying today is not just for Keystone. Matter of fact, it's more of a general letter uh, that goes back 1950, 1960 years. Some of it will be pertinent to Keystone. Some of it may not be. I, I don't know. But you take it and you personalize it. And so what I want to share today is time to take notice because distortion from within the church. There's been distortion within the church church 
Or you could put it this way. There's been riptides, rip currents that's been in the church. Now, when Jude wrote this, many think it was around, you know, 75 to 85 A.D., and so Christianity had only been around, you know, 45, 50 years. So when he's writing this letter, distortion had already started coming in. You know, you can read the book of Galatians and there's the Judaizers and there's different things that you see in, in the, the letters that are written. But in Jew, we don't know all. He didn't really get real clear what the distortions are. You know, he gives a couple of things, but a lot of it is just general. But we've had 1,900 and nearly 50 years of distortion. And whatever you call it, it just repeats. Much of what we're going to see today, uh, it, it, it's here today too, but distortion. Now, here's what I want to do. I think we got a little circle here uh, that here's truth. Truth is right here is called the faith. Remember last week we said, you know, the faith. We, we're to contend. We're to defend the faith. And what is the faith? We said very clearly, or at least I tried anyway, we're not talking about your faith. We're talking about the faith. And the faith is the word of God. It's just the word of God. That's the faith. And so he, he said, we need to contend for it because people are trying to change the Bible. They're trying to say, well, you know what? Culture changes. Culture does not dictate God's truth. You know what? You don't, your opinion doesn't even dictate what God thinks. Now, you can share your thoughts, and, but it's his thoughts that count. And so the bullseye that we have is, is the faith, and I got a scripture there. It says, you therefore must be perfect as your heavenly Father is perfect. You know, we, we like to kind of skip by that, and even some translators sometimes go, well, that just means to be more mature. That is true, but the true point is God wants us to be perfect. Now, when, some of you, when you hear that, you go, no way. I'm not signing up for this. They're looking for perfection. Well, that's the first thing God, look, he's expecting it, but he also knows there's not anybody in this room that's going to totally live up to it and match it. But here's what happens. We think, well, I can't do it, so I'll just lower the bar and lower the bar and lower the bar. We're not to lower the bar either. So let's look at the, the next circle, okay? The next circle is this, is sin is missing the mark. That's, that's what the word sin means. It means God's perfection, his holiness, but sin came in in the garden, and all of us in this room, we have sinned. That means we've missed the mark. How many of you guys probably missed the mark this week of God's perfection? I did. I'm not sure I've ever had an entire day in my life where I didn't miss the mark, that, that, that it was just perfect, 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 never, never a bad thought. And so it says, for all have sinned, that means for all have missed the mark, all have fallen short of the glory of God, that's Romans 3.23. Let's just go ahead and dismiss church now and you guys have a good afternoon, all right? Wouldn't that be a bummer? See, God has good news. Look what it says in the next uh, little circle that we have there is that God knew that we missed the mark, but Jesus came because he's the only perfect one who's never missed the mark. Isn't that amazing? You want to know what God the Father's like? Just read about Jesus. Everything he did was in perfection. Even some of the things we go, well, I don't know about this turning over the table. He still did it in perfection. I don't totally understand all of it, but he never sinned. The gift. For the wages of sin is death. That means separation. But the free what? Gift. I want you to say that word. One, two, three. Gift. Say it again. Gift. Because this is one of the areas 
that of the Bible that rip tides, rip currents are coming in and going, well, no, no, it's not, it's, it's, it's kind of a gift, but you've got to work for it. That drifted in 1,950 years ago, and it's still around. There'll be many people, many, many churches in this region. And I'm not going to name names of churches, okay? That's not what I'm, I'm not going to do that. But there'll be many, many churches today that people are going to go to church, and they're only going because of, of a good work. I hope that you're not coming here going, oh, God's going to give me some brownie points today. I, I've gone to church three times this month. Well, you couldn't have done three times this month, but two in a row, whatever. It's a gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus, our Lord. Now, let's jump to Jude, because I want you to understand, God's bullseye, the target, is perfection. We can't live up to perfection. We, we miss it. But God came and said, hey, by grace, I'm going to give you a gift. And the reason why I want to share all that is because that's one of the things that we see distorted uh, uh, in our culture that we have. Jude chapter 4. He says here, for certain people, he didn't name their names, for certain people have what? Crept in. Some of you guys crept in today, all right? You know, <laughs> you felt like, and that's not being a negative. But he says, certain people crept in, and here's the key. He says they were unnoticed. Now, we're not talking about you coming in today and going, you know what, nobody saw me, nobody heard, nobody shook my hand. That's not what we're saying here. He's, he's talking about these people that are creeping in, they're unnoticed, who long ago were designated for this condemnation, ungodly people, and here's what they did, who pervert the grace of God. They were grace perverts. They, they were perverting God's grace. And we hear it, and we've had it at Keystone from time to time. And maybe you've wrestled with it. But I want you to understand, grace is grace, a gift is a gift. You, you don't match. Yeah, we do works, but we don't do works to please God. We don't do works for salvation. We do works out of salvation because we're saved. The living God, the same Jesus, remember the same Jesus who had passion and who was compelled to do ministry, that same Jesus lives within you. And when you get out of the way and walk in grace, God's going to work through you. I want to go get my hair cut uh, Friday and uh, when I drove in, I saw this, these two young people, probably in their early 20s maybe, and, uh, but I was late for my appointment. I thought, well, Lord God, if they're still there, I don't know what you want to do, but I'm in. And so I got a quick haircut, and I noticed they were, you know, about a block away where I was parking. I go, Lord, I don't know what's going on, but I'm going to go there. I'm, gonna, I'm just ready. I'm going to love them. I'm going to let you love through them. And, you know, they, they, were, they were brother and sister, and, they were from Italy and got to share the gospel with them, got to bless them financially. And, and you know what? I didn't do that because I'm going, ah, I need to do something today. No, no, I, I wasn't thinking that. I was thinking at the time I need a good haircut. Now, don't evaluate it, okay? All right, it's, it's the best we can do with this thing. <laughs> but I didn't do that. They go, okay, I got another brownie point. I bet, I bet I'll get, I bet it will help me get into heaven. No. It's grace. And so he's saying here, certain people unnoticed. And the reason why it says long ago was they were already prophesied that this is what's going to happen. Jesus himself in Matthew chapter 24 said it. That there will be these, you know, uh, they, they will look like sheep, 
but there'll be wolves in sheep clothing. You know how you spot a wolf? Just look among the sheep and see what the, see what the one that looks like a sheep, what he's eating. If he's eating grass, he's probably a sheep. If he's eating people, he's a wolf. I mean, it's just it's that easy. We, we got them. We got them in our culture, right? And he's saying here that they're, they're going to, but here's the grace. He said, I mean, here's what they're perverting. Who pervert the grace of God into sensuality. Means what they're saying is anything goes. I have literally heard that. I've heard people in this congregation at times. I don't, they're not here anymore, but they just said, well, you know what? I don't have to do this. I don't have to do that. I'm going to grace. And they just took advantage. I can do basically what I want to do. That's what these guys were doing. They were perverting the truth. Grace is God's unconditional love. But the other side of grace is, and you've heard of me and Mark say this for years, the other side of grace is God's empowerment to be like Jesus. You know, if you need to wear a wristband, what would Jesus do? That's fine. I don't have an issue with that. But I, I, got, a, I got a wristband on my heart called the Holy Spirit who says, this ain't right. And I'm going, okay. Holy Spirit, thank you that you convicted me that this is not right. This is and so they were like, anything can go. Then it says, and deny our master and our Lord Jesus Christ. What they're saying is, is we want him for Savior, but not Lordship. Now, let me just go ahead and be honest with you. Flesh is going to be offended today. Now, that's not my, I don't enjoy doing that. I got to be honest with you. But every time I read the Bible, there's times where my flesh is offended. Bob, does your flesh ever get offended by, by these words? Sure it does. Your flesh is probably going to be offended by something today. But we want to get our flesh in line under the Lordship, under the Lordship, under the Lordship. And so my question would be, is, is Jesus Lord of every area of your life? And so they're saying there, verse 4, these, these guys are, they're creeping in. They're unseen. They're living sensual. Uh, they, they're denying. They're not living in the Lordship of Christ. Look what it says in verse 12 and 13. just gives them, it says, these are hidden reefs. You ever been in a boat and you come up on, you hit a rock or something like that or a reef? Uh, that's what he's saying. He goes, you, know, you don't see them, but, but you, you, will, you will feel them when you hit them. He says, these are hidden reefs. They show up at your love feast. They're there. And they feast with you without fear, the shepherds feeding themselves, waterless clouds swept along by winds, fruitless trees in late autumn, twice dead, uprooted. I wonder, wonder what God really feels about this. He said, they're wild waves of the sea, the casting up on the foam of their own shame, wandering stars from whom the gloom of utter darkness has been reserved forever. I want to remind you, he's writing to say, hey, guys, I want you to know there's people who have been drifting in. They've been drifting in for years, and they want to change. They want to change the Bible. Now, listen, we're talking about insiders here. We're not talking about some governor who puts a verse way out of context on a billboard. All right? We're talking about insiders here. We're talking about people. He said, they're at your love feast. They're, they're probably at the Lord's Supper table. They're, they're there. They, they may look like you at many times, but when they leave, they're, they're, they're living in sensuality. Jesus is not Lord of their life. And what's happening is they're distorting. And Matthew said, I mean, and Jesus said in Matthew that in the end times it will even become worse. 
So here's the question with this. How has God responded to these kind of people in the past? Well, he gives three examples. For some reason in the book of Jude, uh, you see three, three, and three. This is the first three. Uh, There's three people, people group. And the first one is judgment due to Israel's unbelief. Judgment due to Israel's unbelief. How many of you guys like that word, judgment? (laughs) Judgment. Now, guys, I want you to hang with me. It's going to get bad for a while, and it's going to get good. Now, we we just like the good part, right? We like to pick and choose uh, these verses. This is one reason why we, we try to teach through books. That way we don't skip anything. Good or bad. Lewis says in verse 5, he says, Now I want to remind you. If you got your Bible, underline that word, remind you. You know, we do things. Every Sunday is a reminder, right? You come to community group, that's a reminder. When we do the Lord's Supper, that's a, a reminder. You know, when the Jews do a, a Passover, it's a reminder. We need reminders, do we not? This right here, it's a symbol, but it's a reminder that I've committed my life to a a lady named Teresa. And and so he says here, now I want to remind you, although you once fully knew it, that Jesus who saved the people out of the land of Egypt. So at the burning bush, and we've talked about that before, it was Jesus pre-incarnate there. It was Jesus who's leading them through. He says, a people out of the land of Egypt afterwards destroyed those who did not believe. Now, remind you of the story. Remember, the, the Jewish people had been in slavery to Egypt for 400 years. God calls Charlton Heston and, and not Moses, and, and he comes alongside and uh, his brother Aaron, and, and God uses them to deliver, and God does miracle after miracle after miracle. I mean, I mean, one point in time is you see that there's darkness all over Egypt, but where all the Jews were in Goshen, there was sunlight. Now, wouldn't that, I mean, just think about your own neighborhood. What if it was dark this afternoon, totally pitch dark in the whole neighborhood, but yet your house, your seven point whatever acres you got or a point seven or, or whatever acres you have, it's daylight and you're, you're out there playing and grilling out. People, people would take notice. And so we see all that, but eventually God gets them and out of there and God parts the Red Sea. You think, man, that, that, would, that would be something to God. You know, I'm going to believe in this God. I'm going to believe in this God. But yet, we'll get to Mount Sinai, and they're getting a little impatient with Moses up on the mountain, coming down with the law, and what they do, they build a, a golden calf, and they, they begin to wait. We want something tangible to worship. And so some scholars believe that on this next 38-year journey after Mount Sinai, that about 80 people died per day. That's a lot of funerals. That's a reminder in itself. These were the ones 20 and above who did not believe. Do you know that almost every one of our Ivy League schools, I'm just using Ivy League because, you know, that's what we think of as the elite education and everything. You know, every, almost every one of them started out from a church or a pastor. And gradually, unbelief, 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 unbelief. And now you go to some of these schools, there's hardly any belief in the school as far as spirituality. 
So God did judgment upon an entire people group. Now listen, I'm not here preaching this message because I think God's brought ready to do judgment on America. That's not where I'm going. I'm just teaching the book of Jude. All right? If God wants to judge America, he can and he will. And if he wants to judge a people group, he can and he will. And if God wants to judge just you as an individual, he can and he will. But we got to keep in balance. I want to remind you again, God set you apart to love on, not to judge on. Okay? Amen to that? Let me say it again. God set you apart to love on, not judge on. Amen? Okay, we got a few more believers on that one. Because we've got to keep this in balance. God does not celebrate up in heaven and go, hey, I can't wait to judge these people. We'll get to that later. The second group is this, a judgment due to angels' rejection. Angels' rejection. Look what it says in Jude chapter 6. It says, and the angels who did not stay within their own position, these are angels who fell. The Bible teaches that one-third the angels rebelled. Now they're demons. They're evil spirits. He said they left their position. They, they, they left their principalities. The same word that you read, you read over there in the book of Ephesians. They, they had a phenomenal. Now, what you're going to see here is every one of these groups were highly blessed. There's not a nation more highly blessed. There's only one nation that God says, that's my people, that's my nation. And so there's only one. It's Israel. Now, you got these angels who have been in heaven, and they, they reject that authority of God. It says, but they left their proper dwelling. He has kept them eternal chains under gloomy darkness until the judgment day. So, so we, we see this, and it goes back to Genesis chapter 6. Now, this is important because Jesus says, and the scripture says, that when, in the very end times when, when Jesus is about ready to come, and is that it will be like the days of Noah. You know, one of the things that was happening back in Genesis chapter 6, that these fallen angels somehow uh, went into women and, and got them pregnant. Don't ask me to explain that. I, I don't know. I, I, mean, I got a lot of theories, but it doesn't really matter. All I know is that's what happened. And that's how we got the giants, the Nephilim, the Zamzumans, and on and on. There were over 60 cities that were for giants. Been a killer basketball team, you know, but but that is so wicked. And so you, you see all this corruption that's happening from them. The third one is the judgment. Well, let me get to finish reading the rest of that. It said, yeah, I did. The judgment of the great day. They will be judged. They won't just be changed. They will be in the pit of hell for eternity. They, you know what? They know that. Let's look at the third one. Judgment due to Sodom's rebellion. What it says in verse 7, he's given three examples of highly, highly, highly blessed. Now, we're going to go on a trip to Israel, and we're going to go to the area. They have excavated the area where Sodom and Gomorrah and the cities are. It's on the northern part. For years, they thought it was in the southern, uh, south of the Dead Sea, but it's in the northern part. I was watching a video the other day about how they were excavating, and they, and, and they were showing some of the things that they, they proved that somehow some unbelievable heat glossed some of these vessels. So we, we know it from Scripture, but we also know it uh, from archaeology. 
So look what it says in verse 7. It says, just as Sodom and Gomorrah and the surrounding cities, which likewise indulged in sexual immorality. Now, Lot chose this place because at the time, it was the most beautiful place. I mean, it was almost like the Garden of Eden. It was beautiful. If you go there now, and some of you have been there, it's not real beautiful. <laughs> you got the Dead Sea. It's called the Dead Sea for a reason. And that whole area. Uh, and so, in their sexual immorality and pursued unnatural desire, serve as an example by undergoing a punishment of eternal fire. Now, I wish I could skip verse 7. And I'm, don't get nervous. I'm not going to hang too long. Because my point is not the individual, any of these sins. The point is that we've had drifters come in and change truth. That's, and the question's got to be, eventually, what do we do about it? And so what's happening in Sodom, if you want to read more about Sodom, uh, go look in uh, uh, Ezekiel chapter 16. Now, most preaching is going, well, they were destroyed for homosexuality. Well, that was one of the sins. It was pretty predominant. There's over 25 verses in the Bible that says homosexuality is a sin. I I didn't say that. The Bible says that. So if it bothers you, uh, just take that up with God and his word. And I say that lovingly. Now, I won't say this before I get going on. I'm going to say it several times. God loves people, everyone. No matter who you are, whether it's homosexuality or, you know, whether it's being a liar or a murderer or a thief or whatever. Sin is sin. Missing the mark is missing the mark. And so what was happening there in Sodom is one of the things that happened, and it ties right back into the verse before, is that uh, some angels from, came to them. Remember, if you read the story, two of the angels came and wanted to have sex. Some of the men in the village wanted to have sex with the angels. I mean, it's, it's, it gets pretty, pretty bad there. But when you read Ezekiel 16, it wasn't just homosexuality. It was adultery, fornication. Catch this, injustice. Go read it. It's in, it's in Ezekiel 16. We don't hear that. Injustice. Uh, they were lazy. They, they, were, they had too much time on their hands and doing things they shouldn't be doing. Now, I want to ask you a question. Does that sound like any nation that you've heard of lately? It's very much like us. Very much like us. And here's the thing. One of the reasons why God judged all three of these is because they had light. I don't know of a nation that has much more light of what the truth is than America. Here's one of the things they would be saying is that I I will love who I want to love. You know, when God created Adam and Eve, he created them in God's image and he, he had a pattern, he had a form that man would be man, woman would be woman, they would always be man, they would always be woman, and they would come together in marriage, holy matrimony. That's his design. I want to remind us again, I'm talking to the church here. I'm not talking. If you're online and you don't know the Lord God, I am talking to you, but this is insider information. I'm not here to judge those who don't know Christ. I would, whatever they do, I'm not surprised. But within the church, he's saying, listen, you should know this is the image and it's for a reason. Now, I want to say something. 
Then I'm going to move on from this, this subject. I've talked to men, women in this church over the years that struggle with homosexuality. And you may not agree with this part. This is just the way I do it. I'm going to step away from the Bible there. When, they, when someone comes to me and they say, hey, these are the desires I have, I, I affirm them that I believe you have those desires. Now, I've had some say, God made me this way. Now, I don't affirm that because God didn't make them that way. God is never going to, that'd be like a liar saying, you know, God made me a liar. No, he didn't. God didn't make you that way, but I affirm that you have those desires. I don't know why you have those desires. I know we live in a fallen world and on and on and on. But usually when they come, they, they won't help. They, they, they know it's wrong. They know it's a sin. They won't help. And, and so do it lovingly. I know some of you in this room, you, you've got friends that are gay or lesbian. They have kids or grandkids. The truth still stays the truth. Don't veer from the truth, but love your child, love your grandchild, and love your friend. Amen? Amen? Truth and love. We're not going to bash. All right, let's move on. I'm leaving a whole lot out. If you want to hear more, come to second service. About a minute more, okay? Here's a question. How do we identify these insiders? How do we identify them? Because it says they come in unnoticed. You know what's sad is they should be noticed. And I'm going to help you. Right? There's, just, there's a couple things there that will help us. The first one uh, is the fruit test. The fruit test. Look what it says in Matthew chapter 7, verse 15 through 20. The fruit test. This is Jesus' words. He said, beware of false prophets. He's even saying there, there's going to be people who are going to teach false things. No, you know what? Culture's changed. It's okay to have a sex change. It, it's, it's okay to do this. He says, beware of false prophets who come to you in sheep clothing, but inwardly they are ravenous wolves. You will, listen, it says, you will recognize them by their fruits. We should recognize eventually. Are grapes gathered from thorn bushes or figs from thistles? So every healthy tree bears good fruit, but the diseased tree bears bad fruit. A healthy tree cannot bear bad fruit, nor can a diseased tree bear good fruit. Every tree that does not bear good fruit is cut down and thrown into the fire. Thus you will recognize them by their fruit. If they're always trying to give you, well, you know what, Dr. So-and-so, I, I read theologian so-and-so, and they said this is okay. And, that, you know, that means any sin. I heard uh, Francis Chan a few months ago, and it wasn't on this subject. He said, you know what, if there's something you want to do that's outside the Word of God, you can find a Ph.D. that would agree with you. Isn't that so true? I, I remember him saying, I thought, that's good. Because that is so true. You and I have seen people, they will go search, hey, so-and-so said it's okay. I'm here to tell you, so-and-so here, and so-and-so is God, says certain things are not okay. The second one is the scripture test. The scripture test. Let's go back to Jude chapter, no chapter, chapter one, verse eight. I don't very easy to do that. Jude eight through 10. Now, I want to, I want to remind you, if you were here last week, if you weren't here last week, I, I, I'll just tell you. Jude began his letter 
talking about the commonality of salvation. And he said, but all of a sudden, the Holy Spirit pressed me to talk about this. I'd like to skip some of this. But you can't, you can't skip. So here's the scripture test. So it says in verse 8 and 10, it says, yet like, like manner, that means in regards to verses 7 there, and yet like manner or likewise, these people also relying on their dreams. That means God told me something. Joseph Smith, I had a dream or I had this person show up. Usually they're going to tell you in a dream. And I believe that God gives dreams, and I still believe that God does, you know, prophetic words from time to time. I'm always very, very cautious, though, very cautious. And it always has to line up with here. He said, hey, look, these guys, they're, they're, they're dreamers. They defile the flesh. So you have three things there. They defile the flesh. They reject authority. It means their authority is their opinion. Their authority is, this is how I feel. It says, and they blaspheme the glorious ones. You go, what do you mean the glorious ones? These are angels. You remember when Moses went up and in several places in Scripture talks about the angels being present. In many places in the Bible, there's, there's an alignment of the angels with the law, angels with the law, angels with the law. Well, God gave us the law, and we're to stay with the law. Now, the law changed in the New Testament in a sense. It's the law of the Spirit. But he says, you know, you will identify them if you know Scripture. But when the archangel Michael, contending with the devil, was disputing about the body of Moses, he did not presume to pronounce a blasphemous judgment, but he said, the Lord rebuke you. Now, it took me a long time to go, all right, Lord, I don't know what that means. And I'm going to tell you the best of what I think it means. We know that Michael is the archangel. It means he's over the angels. We, we know that he is, and his role will even increase during the, the tribulation and all that when, when Israel uh, will, everyone will come back to Israel and Israel will go through judgment, but also Israel will, will see many people saved. And so our, he's the archangel. We know the devil had fallen. And so basically he could have just done what he wanted to do and say, you know what, I'm going to take the devil out here. We're going to move him over. But he didn't do that. You know what he does? He says, the, the Lord rebuke you. Even with all this, he is submitting. He's submitting to the authority of God. That's, that's what I, I sense he, he is saying here. Now, you've you, you got to be Berean and study for yourself. But he says, the Lord rebuke you. Now, there's only one devil and you can only be in one place. And sometimes I hear people go, uh, I rebuke the devil. Don't, don't do that. And I've shared that with people. Everyone I've ever seen that, that stays and does that, usually they always fall. I give you, well, I won't give you examples, but because we don't have the right to rebuke the devil. God does. And so here we see an example. Now, here's what I do believe. I believe we have the spiritual right and the authority of any demonic spirit that's coming against us. We, that's a different thing. But even to that, you do that in the name of Jesus. And so he's, he's, he's saying, look, he's given all these bad examples, these people who, who are rejecting authority. You know, they're living in unbelief. They're living in rebellion. He's going, hey, even Michael, who's the highest angel, he's not even just doing it on his own authority. 
Let's look at what it says in First uh, Timothy 6, 3 and 4 in Galatians 1, 8, 9. We'll read these fast. There we go. If anyone teaches a different doctrine and does not agree with the sound words of our Lord Jesus Christ and the teaching that accords with godliness, he is puffed up with conceit and understands nothing. He has an unhealthy craving for a controversy and for quarrels about words which produce envy, dissension, slander, evil, and suspicion. Let's look at the next verse. It says, but even if we or an angel from heaven should preach to you a gospel contrary to the one we preach to you, let him be accursed. he's, He's reminding us that truth is truth and truth never changes. Didn't hear that, amen. It never changes. Well, let me end with some hope here, all right? And, and you guys can come on up. Here's the question. How does God feel about these insiders? How does he feel about them? I'm going to read verse 11 first, and then I'll get to the better part. It says, woe to them. Woe means a condemnation. It says, woe to them, for they walked in the way of Cain and abandoned themselves for the sake of gain of Balaam's era and perished in Korah's rebellion. You can read these stories, but I'll, I'll just tell you what they mean real quickly. Cain's was about religious works. Abel's was about a substitutionary blood atonement by grace. Balaam was about prostituting and getting rewards. Korah was undermining authority, and God judged every one of these. All right? Are you guys ready to get off the judgment part? You're not? Okay, well, bring on some more here. All right? No, I think we want to move on. But, hey, guess, guess what, guys? We need to be aware. If there's a bridge out, I want someone to tell me. I want to be warned. If there's something that I'm not doing right, I, I want to be warned. But let's look what it says over in Psalms 103, verse 8. Psalms 103, verse 8. The Lord is merciful. Amen? Okay? We've hit a lot of judgment here for the last 15, 20 minutes. But God is merciful. I'm so glad that God doesn't give me everything I deserve. I'd be in trouble. And gracious, slow to anger. You go read all these stories. Read all these stories here, and you will see God was patient, 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 extremely patient. He waited, but finally when the level of iniquity had had enough, he'd go, okay, I'm, I'm going to judge. I've had enough here. Aren't you glad that God didn't wipe you out or bring bad things on you, you know, day one of your sin? Aren't you glad he's been patient with you? He's had merciful with you. He said, slow to anger and what? Abounding. Let's say that word, abounding. One, two, three, abounding in steadfast love. He loves you. He loves the adultery. He loves everyone. Jesus died on the cross for everyone. But God dying on the cross doesn't mean it's okay for me to do whatever I want to do. Let's look at 2 Peter 3, 9. Again, just as a reminder, the Lord is not slow to, to fulfill his promise. His son counts slowness, but it's patiently toward you, not wishing that any should perish. You hear that? Wishing that none would perish perish, but that all should reach repentance. So here's what I want you to to know. I know it's a little heavy in the room. I I knew it was going to be heavy.
one that's not in truth. Did you hear that? Pray, fast, and love everyone that's not in truth. There's a lot going on. We're being attacked from the outside, and we're being attacked from the inside. There were great seminaries at one point in time that hardly even teach the Bible. That's how it crept in. That's just one way. I want you to bow your head and close your eyes. And I know some of you are bothered. It's okay to be bothered. I know we live in a culture that we come to church, we go, I don't want to be bothered. I don't want to be bothered. I just, I just want to feel good. Sometimes we've got to be bothered. Bothered enough to pray and fast and love. And bothered enough to say, you know what? If any of these items here, God will forgive anything you've done. If you'll confess it, agree with him, repent. He, he will forgive you and cleanse you. So if you walk out here and, I'll, you know, I hope, here's what I hope happens. Here's what my prayer would be. We walk out here bothered, but bothered with peace bothered with joy and bothered with love when I look at some of these people I just look and go you know what? I'm not going to judge them I didn't bring any photos today I could have put some photos I'm not going to do that I didn't give you a bunch of examples I don't need to give you those you see them but when I look at some of the extreme people that are doing some extreme stuff I go you know what that's a wounded person that's a wounded person now, I know there's going to be some that are listening right now and go, wait a minute, you're telling me I'm wounded? I'm not wounded. No, you're wounded. There's some insecurity there. There's a lack of identity. Guys, listen. Jesus wants to meet that need. Amen? He will meet that need. Are we going to pray? Are we going to pray? Are we going to fast? Okay, what about that one? <laughs> are we going to love? Yeah. Let's stand on our feet and let's love on Jesus, the Master, the Savior, the Lord of our life.